0: Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. What a wild ride we had this week in the markets. We're going to look at this. You know, really, market seemed for a Friday to have a very slow type of trade day. Many wondering, did folks just bail out early? We talked about that earlier in the trading session of, did folks just say enough's enough, I'm out of here for the weekend? We're also going to take a look at this weather. Of course, we continue to be very much a weather-related market, not only from a grain perspective, but what hasn't been talked about is the cattle and the livestock perspective with this heat moving in throughout the Midwest. Demand? Is it understated? And in South American weather, we know that they've had some issues as well. We'll look at the cattle market that's continued to be stuck in the range. So we've got a lot to talk about as we wrap up this trading week. And Jim McCormick joins us. He is with agmarket.net. And and Jim, welcome back to the Fontanelle Final Bell. It's been since Commodity Classic of 19 that you and I have gotten a chance to talk on this program. But today on Friday, the market's definitely just seemed to be in a rut. And most, like you said, most people might have checked out a little early.
1: Oh, there's no doubt about it. I, it's been a very emotional year trading this summer. A lot of volatilities, these dollar ranges and beans. You know, forty cent ranges plus in the corn—it's just kind of wore people out. And I—I I feel like, you know, it's county fair season. We got a lot of customers out at the fair, and it just seemed like as we ran through the day, less and less people are trading. The volume dried up, and the market just kind of weighed on itself. The forecast has definitely kind of put the rain in, put the rain back out. It's kind of like we were in June going into the weekend. Though, what's interesting. Um, Got a lot of heat coming in, in the next week to 10 days, but some of the maps are trying to argue as we get you know, 10, 15 days out, we're going to get this heat to back away and bring rain in, and the markets seem to be talking up the longer-term maps as opposed to the short-term maps, which are showing some of the probably warmest temps of the year hitting the Midwest going into this weekend.
0: So having said that, does that make you nervous as you look at the at the crop development stage we're at right now with these definite warm temperatures and knowing that we've got a crop progress report on Monday that may or may not reflect what these temperatures are doing?
1: That's going to be, yeah. I mean, that's what's going to make Monday's guesstimate really hard of what's going to happen. If I got to make a guess, it'll probably back off a little bit because you got some pretty extreme temperatures where I live here in Northern Illinois. There's a lot of gravelly ground The gravelly ground. Corn is really, and beans are both, are actually starting to show the stress as we really are in dire need of some rain. So I, would, I think it's going to be there, and it's just going to keep this market chopping around. It really has become kind of a tale of two crops. you got the further north and west you go. That crop is obviously devastated, struggling due to the lack of rain. But on the other hand, you get in parts of Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio. I've got producers there that are telling me this could be their best crop ever when it's all said and done. So uh, that's kind of what the market's trying to balance right now.
0: And no, and no surprise, we see that in, especially in this point in the growing season that we get those pockets where things are looking good. But it sounds like from what I've been reading and hearing from, from folks like yourself, this could be a big bumper crop again for the U.S.
1: It could be. I mean, if you look at the yield models and what a lot of people are coming out at, I think 174, 175 has been the low end of the range. Some customers, some of these yield models are putting the yield up to 180 plus. Now the government's at 179.5. I just want to remind people, that's actually about three bushels better than the best crop you ever had. So the government's already kind of dialing in a strong yield. And that may be kind of the silver lining of this when it's all said and done, when you kind of look at the balance sheet the government's dialed in a really big yield, but they haven 't dialed in a re- demand in my opinion. The demand they 've got is actually roughly three hundred and fifty million less exportable supply, bushels of corn going out the door this year this upcoming year compared to this next compared to this past year, and that just seems unlikely with the production problems we have in South America, so even if the yield stays high like it is, let's say 179, 178, I think eventually demand will start to ratchet up and that'll bring that ending stocks back down to what I think the trade will argue is a bullish number. It's just going to take time to get to those numbers, unfortunately.
0: You talk about South American weather and this second corn crop has just had one struggle after another from before it even hit the ground.
1: No doubt about it. I mean, you're looking at a crop was around 105 to 110. Our government's got it around 93 million metric tons. The private industry somewhere between 85 and 90. Before this next round of a frost freeze that hit them again, there's now talk that that crop could be down to 80 million metric tons. Now, to put that in perspective, you've got that. Then on top of you, you got Argentina that's dealing with a the drought. They can't get their supplies out, so you're probably going to cut Argentina's exports by about 5.9 million metric tons. So the combined, you would lose roughly – you know, 26 million metric tons of production of exportable supply out of those two countries. Now we do think the Black Sea region will rebound a little bit, maybe 10 million metric tons. So the net is about a 16 million metric ton loss of exportable supply out of the world or roughly 630 million bushels that's that is where i think we could get very bullish on this situation because the demand is going to have one place to come and that's us but unfortunately folks it's probably going to take time just like last year took very long time frustrating long for the government to admit china was buying our corn i think it's going to be the same situation but the long-term pictures do look optimistic optimistic on the demand side for corn but patience is going to be a virtue
0: what about for soybeans long-term could it be
1: bullish it could be bullish for the beans. Right now, the bean supply of Brazil is pretty much out. So we should start seeing that Chinese demand come in. It's not been they, – they, last year this time, they bought about 6 million metric tons of beans. They're a little over 4 million now, but I think they will come in. Their, their crush margins are down a little bit. The reality is they've got their hog herds rebounded back, so we should see some decent demand. And the fact is, if you take a bushel off the bean supply, your carryout gets cut in half. Pretty much. So uh, this weather, the next four weeks of beans is really going to be detrimental or to trying to determine what the price of beans do. There is no room for error.
0: Nice to see Mexico making some purchases of beans.
1: Well, that's it. I mean, that's the good news. Like I said, you didn't see China come in and buy beans. Mexico is. But I think the Mexicans are looking at where we're at. I mean, like I said, you're looking at a bean supply ending stock number right now, about 155 million metric tons. And that's using a 50.8 bushel yield. You drop a yield a bushel, all of a sudden your carryout's cut in half. And all of a sudden you look at beans at 13 dollars and 13 $13.50, dollars where the beans settled at today. They look at a bargain compared to what they were paying for beans just, you know, 60, 90 days ago.
0: All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more as we continue with the second half of the Fontenelle final bell. We'll be looking at what's going on, livestock perspective. More is coming up. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Huntington Southside. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing the conversation with Jim McCormick. Jim is with AgMarket.net. So we were kind of diving into what's been happening on the grain side of the complex. Let's switch pages and look at the livestock. Wanted to know in the marrying of these feeder cattle and, and the grain prices, specifically corn, what are your thoughts? We've got a lot of dancing going on. Is this market constantly in a change?
1: Well, that's it. I mean, the livestock, just kind of like the grain market's in a lot of volatility right now. The feeder cattle are definitely kind of running up, live cattle are up. The cheaper the grains are there. I think the market is, people are also anticipating the, this afternoon's cattle or the, you know, the, this month's cattle on feed report is going to be a little bit friendly. You got this drought going on in the Western Plains, obviously. You are starting to hear reports of people liquidating herds. Uh, Canada's got a huge problem as well. Uh, their drought is probably even worse than ours. So you're hearing just the expense of trying to feed that livestock is getting more and more by the day so we're hearing herd reduction in that part of the world as well so uh it's going to be kind of interesting going in uh to where this hog market and protein market is uh, over the next couple months
0: you talk about herd liquidation and we know we've already seen some of it taking place in montana and in western north dakota but looking at this what type of pressure could that liquidation put on this cattle market
1: Oh, I think it's going to put a little bit of pressure, but in the really big picture side of the, of the story, if you look at just the December cattle, October cattle, we've been just trading in a pretty much a broad range sideways market. You know, the October cattle up near 130, uh, this week's lows are around 124, your June lows are around the 123, 122 level. I think right now, in general, folks, we're just in a kind of a sideways market. The liquidation of that aspect is kind of a little bit friendly. But on the other hand, unfortunately, the COVID is still racing through the, not just the U.S., but the world. And that is going to kind of maybe limit some of the demand. We'll see how this market goes. I mean, the livestock industry has probably had one of the tougher industries trying to accommodate from shutting down and having people used to be going out to eat and essentially feeding students in colleges. Then everyone started eating from home. We saw the panic when people kind of hoarded stuff. And then all of a sudden, you, you got this trillion-dollar economy that literally was at a halt and then pretty much had massive pin-up spending. You've got trillions of dollars in the consumer's pocket, and everyone wants to spend it at the same time. And, uh, you know, that's just going to keep this market, I think, kind of in a balance where, uh, you know, back and forth, plain and simple.
0: What are we going to see uh, the t- supplies? Will they continue to tighten from both pork and beef perspective, especially after we saw that cold storage report that I think some might have been caught by a little bit of surprise?
1: Well, I think what you're going to say I think overall the supply, I think in general where you're going to see the reduction is probably more in the beef than the pork at this point in time. A lot of that has to do with the grazing ground just not being there, uh, you know, due to the drought in the plains. So I think that's where you're going to be at. The pork situation just. I think overall people are optimistic. China's been kind of the red flag recently. You know, China got really excited. They had that African swine flu, obviously. China came in and became this very aggressive buyer of pork. They've definitely backed out of the market a little bit. They canceled some here in this last week's sales. But you know, the big you know, the big bright spot is our neighbor to the south, Mexico right now. They purchased the most so far this year. They purchased three hundred ninety six thousand eight hundred and seventy five tons. You know, that's more than China. China's at about 321000 So as long as the Mexico continues to buy in the overall supply, that should hopefully keep a bit under the pork market.
0: Many frustrated that we saw cash as low as we did uh, compared to last week. $3, that's a lot on the profit.
1: Well, that's it. There's, you know, And that's kind of the frustration we're seeing right now in the livestock industry as a whole. I mean, the hog guys, obviously, you look what the cash market's doing, the futures market. Sometimes it doesn't make a lot of sense to where we're at right now. So I know the frustration's there. The hard part about the cash industry right now, a lot of these, both for the pork and the livestock, a lot of it is just captive cattle. You know, they're forward contracted as, you know, same thing for the pork. So the cash market kind of definitely gets a little bit whipsawed around, unfortunately.
0: Uh, for you, what are you looking forward into these uh, the last half of July into early August for these livestock
1: well right now i 'm hoping the trend will continue. I mean you look at these october hogs they 've been trending higher we 've got some gaps to fill we 've got a gap i believe to fill on that October at 9607, on, so I'm hoping that will kind of kind of work its way up to fill that gap. On the cattle market, same situation. We've kind of traded sideways. Since October cattle, I think, could kind of get up toward that 130 level, but I would expect at this time, unfortunately, toward the 130 to kind of cap us uh, you know, near term. But, uh, you know, hopefully as the economy continues to open up, the demand will be there not just for the United States but for the rest of the world. We know we've got some uh, problems in Japan, problems, other places that buy our our beef and pork, but as they continue to get this, hopefully get this virus under control, the demand will be there for the overseas demand, or will be there. We'll have the overseas demands show back up, on, hopefully. All
0: right, real fast on on the grains, which is a commodity you're going to be watching come Monday.
1: Right now, I think the one I think you're going to really watch, folks, is going to be the bean market, plain and simple, because beans are made or broke in the month of August. Uh, so we if they take keep these they keep the rains out. I think the beans could pop on Monday. They put it in. They could be under pressure. So uh, keep an eye on those weather maps over the weekend.
0: Sounds good, Jim. Best way for folks to get a hold of you guys.
1: They can reach me directly at 815-665-0461 or any of the Ag Market team members at 844-424-6758.
0: And Jim McCormick's been joining us. That is the Fontenelle final bell. Just a reminder... Commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable for all investors. That's a Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.